Welcome to the Mind Manufacturing Podcast brought to you by PTI Engineered Plastics. In each episode, we talk to a plastic injection molding expert about topics ranging from product development to tooling, process validation, and automation. We'll discuss industry trends and provide valuable insight into the plastics manufacturing industry of the future. You can learn more about PTI Engineered Plastics by visiting teampti.com. Please subscribe to this free show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media for all the latest from PTI. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind to Manufacturing podcast. My name is Kelly Riley, and I'll be your host for today's episode. In previous episodes, we talked about how important it is to select a strategic partner for your molding project, where in-house part design, tool design, and build can all contribute to a successful product launch. Today, we're continuing our discussion around tool build, more specifically, a deeper dive into tool construction, and we're welcoming back our guest, Chris Beering, Tooling Operations Manager at PTI. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you, Kelly. So to recap our first discussion, we talked about right-sizing a tool build and what that means, and if a customer's program requirements allow for it, and project expectations have been established, a tool builder should be able to offer tooling options to make that program launch successful. So Chris, you're saying a tool builder should be able to offer their customer options. So where and how do those option discussions start? And can you elaborate on that? Well, as we talked previously, you know, upfront, the sooner that partnership begins, the better, I believe, the uh, tool builder or the manufacturer can help their customers. The quantity of parts, the volume of parts that they're going to need off of the tool, the resins that they're going to be running off of the tool, and the quality requirements that they're going to be putting their finished product through all come into play uh, on what type of tool would best fit their project. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you can um, grasp the project cool. so everyone's on the same page okay nobody wants to be a month into a project and all of a sudden feel like the scope changed not us from our customers and for sure not our customers from us from from so their supplier the sooner you can define the project the better okay and i'm sure there are cost considerations and that plays into the whole um scope of project and timing that's important for sure um i know before we were talking about um, tool build materials just we'll go back to that just uh for a moment here talking about how qc10 and hybrid tooling can help you decrease your timelines um and also maybe cost factors too so touch on that a little bit well that that becomes part of the project scope um we use QC10 when aluminum is allowed, and um, that does typically run probably 30% faster, which equates to 30% less expensive. Um, you can upgrade, so to speak, uh, to like soft steels, P20s, NAC 55s. Um, that is the next 
compromise, so to speak. Maybe compromise isn't the right word. That's the next level up. And uh, those tend to be probably about 30%, just as a ballpark figure um, in reduced timing and price from the full-fledged hardened S7s, hardened H13s, um, the uh, tool steels that need to go through the heat treat process. Okay. The heat treating process does bring more tool life does allow you to be um, finer details, to be more rigid and whatnot, but there's a cost and, uh, and a time to that. Okay, so all that information you have up front, that helps you lay the ground rules for what the project tool build will be. And then once you decide on the materials that you're going to be using for your project, then some specifics on cavitation, um, which coincide hand in hand with volumes that you're expecting off these tools. Um, the automation of the tools, both with the tools and with the molding process. If you're running 500 pieces a year, doesn't make a capital sense or sense as a capital expense to create um, automation at the press. Now it might make sense to create automation in the tool still, because of quality requirements. An automated tool will run a much higher quality, more repeatable process than a manually operated tool. Cavitation, if you're running two million pieces a year, you probably have to start at eight cavities unless you have a completely designated press for that tool. Um, and so that is, those are all part of the decisions before you get into the specifics of the tool build. Those are the general needs of that tool, material, cavitation, automation. Now we get into the specifics of the tool. Of the tool. What are the first things that you need to look at for the tool build? Well, the first things we need to get, and mainly again, it's from the customer. A lot of this can be done up front, but most of the time this is done once we get into the design aspect of, of the, tool. the tool. And those two things are gating. Uh, and ejection. They both, no tool can be without either one of them. Okay. And they're really the only two things that every tool has to have. Um, gating is important because obviously the quality of the part, the quality of the plastic delivery to the tool is important. Um, it can also be a big challenge because a lot of parts, for instance, that we do are very aesthetic. So where you have this gate vestige is what we refer to is important to the customer's finished product. And unfortunately, usually the best place to gate a tool is the least pleasing place for the customer, the customer. to have. Okay. So you just answered my question because I was going to say, so you start with gating, where's the be best place to gate? So well, there's a lot of variables. There's variables, yes, and I didn't mean to interrupt, but um, there's a lot of variables and basically the, the general rule just from experience, the center of the geometry is the best place to get best place, place to, to get, get it. But that um, might not be the most aesthetically pleasing. Aesthetically pleasing or even detail. Um, a lot of times details come into play that don't allow for the center of the part. That happened, okay. Um, the type of gating we decide goes back um, as soon as possible we need to decide. There's so, there's so many different types 
of gates. There's the edge gate, which is the most common. There's sub gates, which is semi-automatic. Then we can go into cashew gates. We go into manifolds, valve gates, pin gates. Uh, there's a wide variety. Each one has its place, and each project has a specific need for one of those One of those types. types of gates. Is this where, do you often do a mold flow analysis for your customers, and does that help you determine a gate location? Some gates are obvious, and they are both obvious from our experience and a good location for the tool build, and the customer is good with them, then we a lot of times just go into the tool build. If there's any questions on any of those specifics, we would go into a mold flow. Mold flow usually confirms that we're not going to be allowed to gate it where we want to gate it. want to gate it, okay. But you take the mold flow, you take your experience, you talk to the customer, and you come up with a compromise that needs two things. One is that it's going to create a full and quality part. That's the most important thing. And then number two is the location's acceptable with the customer. You also mentioned part ejection. Why is that important to the function of the tool and how, how does that impact the customer needs, customer requirements? Well, every tool needs ejection. When you put molten plastic into a tool, into a steel tool, um, and it cools, it shrinks, it wants to stick to the core. The ejection is what helps the part release, release from, from the, the tool. tool. Yes. You have a number of different types of ejection that um, allows options. The simplest and most used is the ejector pins. That is just a purchase component and easy to apply to the tool, um, functions nicely. Uh, when you get into more delicate parts, you can go to straight lifters if there's bigger details that need to be released or ejector pins aren't practical. And then there's also um, ejector blades, which is basically an ejector pin. It's just rectangle. There are very handy in a lot of applications. They're a little more time consuming to put in. You can't just drill a square hole. So that we, we have to get wiring process involved and uh, but it is an option. Okay, okay. So um, those are the two main considerations that are essential to the function of the tool. What other considerations are there? Um, I think we touched a little bit on temperature control of the tool and then um, if there's actions in the tool. Correct. So um, what, what about temperature control? Well, temperature control or water lines, uh, a lot of people call it cooling, and it does cool the molten plastic, but you, we run a lot of molds that are at 180, 200, 240, and higher, so it's kind of tricky to refer to that as cooling, but it does. And what that does is allows you um, a higher quality tool. The more uniform your temperature control or cooling can be, the better success you will have with um, dimensional control, aesthetic control, um, a number of things with that tool. Probably uh, real important if you're going to have a part that's validated. Correct. Um, and uniform cooling, back to that, is um, so that your whole part is cooling as um, 
as uniform as possible. I use the word uniform too often, I apologize. Um, this, if I can yeah. take a step back to when we're allowed to use aluminum in, in tooling, when all the other pegs fit the puzzle, aluminum is very practical when it comes to um, the temperature control. Okay, moderating the temperature. Aluminum has a, a much higher quality of um, temperature control okay. than tooling steels. Okay, okay. So you need less and it does better. Right, so if it fits up front in what we discussed, aluminum offers you some good opportunities later on in the construction it, of the tool. It okay. does, it's one of the advantages. Okay, what about uh, the, the tool actions? We talked a little bit about that. Can you tell us more about that? Sure, the uh, tool actions are, again, determined up front usually based on volume, based on quality requirements. Uh, we can put tool actions in any type of tool aluminum, P20, hardened steels. Um, actions are to release parts of the finished product that are now what we would refer to as in the line of draw. In the line of draw is the mold opens and closes and all the plastic can release without any interference. Depending on the things we mentioned before are how we address these undercuts. There's slides, there's cylinders, there is um, lifters, there's straight lifters, there's angled lifters, there is collapsible cores. There's a number of ways to introduce um, these type of details to a tool. All of them add complexity to the tool, and that is where, if you're running lower volumes and you can get away with a manual or mm -hmm. hand-pulled sort of tool build, you save a lot of money on the tool, cost you a little bit more money on the part. Um, no matter what, whoever's building the tools for you or running your parts for you should be guaranteeing the quality of the parts. So in theory, manual or not, you should be getting a quality, a quality part, part, but it is easier to get that quality part with automation. The automation is going to cost you more up front, tool is going to last longer, parts are going to be more consistent, and the parts will be less expensive. So in the past, uh, for a long time, we were able to do a little bit of a watered down validation with manually operated tools and um, be very successful. As we've progressed, the more stringent the validation and the higher the requirement, the more we were not able to use manually operated tools and we had to go to fully automated tooling. We know when we can go to manually operated tools because we understand the requirements of our customers and even though the word validation might be used there's limited value validations and so in those cases we are still able to do manually operated tools but that is 100% controlled by our customer driven by their requirements yes okay okay well thank you Chris um, we've covered a lot in these last two episodes on right sizing tooling so to wrap up our discussion what would be a good summary that you could give us well, I think the best way to summarize it would be um, we have two paths that we can follow when a customer comes to us with a project. One would be that some of our customers have their 
they know what kind of tool they want. They have tooling standards, they have tooling expectations, they tell us what they want. Um, the other path would be more of what we've been talking about, and that would be helping our customers right-size their mold for their project. Um, by this, I, I just mean that there's plenty of options out there, and based on their requirements, we could help them make the best fit to have both a successful project launch and be able to maintain the quality and expectations that they're looking for for their duration of their program. Of their program. Okay, so you as as a customer looking you need to find someone with the expertise that's going to match what your program requirements are and that will bring everything together absolutely okay. and I think flexibility in being able to explain to a customer why you're offering certain options um, is, is very helpful okay okay well thank you I, I think we've covered a lot and it's been helpful and we certainly uh, appreciate your time and expertise and uh, we welcome everyone if you have additional questions need more information you can of course visit our website teampti.com and we look forward to uh, having you listen in on our next episode You've been listening to the Mind to Manufacturing podcast brought to you by PTI Engineered Plastics. You can subscribe to the Mind to Manufacturing podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and please don't forget to leave us a review. Want to learn more about PTI Engineered Plastics custom injection molding services? Please visit teampti.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll meet you right back here for our next episode.